Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play Ticklevar, the Sorcerer. And I'm Danny, and I play Balthazar, the Barbarian. This is episode 24, and this time we're going to be talking about the Umar Hills. We're leaving Athkatla. We're, we're going, we're, we're getting country. D- did you like going country? Yeah, sure. Uh, here at the top of the, the show, like I say, every single time, if you are a noble listener, a noble listener, you can follow us both on Twitter. You can see that down in the description. You can like us on Facebook where you can get updates about mages and murder dads and Baldur's Gate and all the other stuff in between. You can like and subscribe here on YouTube and you can hit that little bell button to get a little notification every time we do something. It only happens every two weeks. Sometimes you get little bonus episodes. Like, uh, a few people probably have seen our Ghost Recon Wildlands video from last Ooh. week. I, it's pretty funny. I think it's I think it's good. Yeah, that's a fun time. And I think it's only part one, right? Mm-hmm. There's a second part coming next week. Oh, man. And uh, if you really like the show and you want to support us and you want to make it financially viable for us to do this, um, you can you can support on Patreon. You can give us a little money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give give us some of that. The, give us four thousand gold per episode. Yeah. If remember, if we get to uh, if we get to enough gold, we get to go past chapter two. Eventually. That's up. To, that's up to y'all on the Patreon. We need twenty thousand dollars <laughs> before we can progress uh, to any content beyond chapter two of Baldur's Gate two. It's just the law. Mm-hmm. A man that says "coo" told us that's what we had to do. Yeah, I think I'm being bullied on the internet. <laughs> Like, I don't want to overstate that, but I think I could be getting bullied mm-hmm. by a thief, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps a rogue. So I'm, I, I'm talking not directly into the microphone because I'm doing a little bit of preparatory work for our big question Whoa, for this week. But so, so um, you know, sometimes we do a big question when it's, when it's an episode that's a little bit tighter and more focused than other ones. It gives us a, the ability to talk about Baldur's Gate in its context, in its big wide world uh, kind of perspective. And uh, Danny, what's our what's the, what's the question this week? We've got a user-submitted, uh, user-submitted, audience-submitted question for this week. Yes, this question has been submitted by Ryan Stevens, a.k.a. at symbol other white tofu. And the question is, what is true neutral? Well, so Danny, as a as the resident expert of the D and D systems, mm. what do you think true neutral is? True neutral has two kinds of interpretations in the history of Dungeons and Dragons and alignment, and the first, so the first, uh, first, I feel like it's important to differentiate unaligned from neutral. Uh, beings in Dungeons and Dragons which lack uh, sentience or the ability to know right from wrong uh, are generally called unaligned. So, mo- like in D and D, if you look at a lot of stat blocks throughout uh, throughout its history of say beasts, it will say unaligned unless they're magical or, or otherwise like otherwise um, you know supernatural. Mm-hmm. So like uh, so like plants 
or children under the age of five. Yes, and even though, uh, even though uh, undead are ostensibly not sentient or not all there, they're evil. So like they've got enough, they've got enough like going on in there to call evil whatever that means. Um, however, this is you know very different. There's a there's a definite uh, barrier between that and the idea of neutrality. And the first kind of idea of neutrality or kind of neutral on both axes, on both axi of the alignment chart, you know, good, neutral, evil, chaotic, neutral, good, so neutral, neutral, would be, oh, well, you, you know, you're, you're a little bit evil, you're a little bit good, you're a little bit chaotic, you're a little bit lawful, you're just in the middle. That's kind of the, the, the one way to interpret neutrality. The other way to interpret neutrality is a neutrality that you often find um, in Druid, Druidic circles. Like, you see it portrayed a lot um, in Druidic circles, and I think for player characters who are playing Druids in a lot of editions of Dungeons & Dragons, n- true neutrality is a, is a requirement for the class. And... What that means is it isn't just that, oh, you're, you're just in between good and evil. You're, you're, you're a little, you know, you're lukewarm on it. It is a principled, like, non-alignment. Mm-hmm. Can, can, a, I, can mm-hmm. I do a little reading for you here? Sure, sure. So I have in front of me, this is the, what I was doing before, uh, is that I have the rule book for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, kind of uh, D&D 2.5. Okay. Okay, and I've got it open to the alignment section. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what it says. This is the second part, kind of, kind of uh, piggybacking on what you just said. True neutral characters sometimes find themselves forced into rather peculiar alliances. To a great extent, they are compelled to side with the underdog in any given situation. Sometimes, even changing sides as the previous loser becomes the winner. A true neutral druid, so druids get get the shout out here. A uh, true neutral druid might join the local barony to put down a tribe of evil gnolls, only to drop out or switch sides when the gnolls were brought to the brink of destruction. He would seek to prevent either side from becoming too powerful. Clearly, there are very few true neutral characters in the world. Yeah, so it is a it is a principled stand for the idea of balance, right? And if you need to support creatures who are objectively evil mm-hmm. that's just what you do what your book just said about it's very difficult or rare to see individuals like this or portrayed like this is that it basically com- whenever you say you are true neutral you have abandoned any pretense of being an alignment and you you are saying no the most important thing is just for a balance of like murder and protection of chaos and law like those things in a good in a good ratio is what i'm after mhm so you know what i have in front of me what's that the 3.5 player's handbook okay so what's the what's 3.5 say so 3.5 has a has I think some inflections on what you uh, on what you just said here. So uh, most neutral characters exhibit a lack of conviction or bias rather than a commitment to neutrality. Such a character thinks of good as better than evil. After all, she would still rather have good neighbors than bad ones. Still, she's not personally committed to upholding any good in any abstract or universal way. Merely a wizard who devotes herself to her art and is bored by the semantics of moral debate is neutral. So that's kind of the first, a, a little bit closer to the first thing you said, but here's 
here's the the second one, kind of closer to that 2.5 one that I read. Mm-hmm. Some neutral characters, on the other hand, commit themselves philosophically to neutrality. They say good, evil, law, and chaos is prejudices and dangerous extremes. They advocate the middle way of neutrality as the best, most balanced road in the long run. And so it's interesting to me where, where you know, you're asking what is the, uh, the closest to a real-world analog. It's like political centrism technocracy. Mm. Like the numbers say what we need to do here, and we just do what the numbers say. Yeah, so what you're, what you're saying there is basically a philosophy that says, well, evil in the world is, uh, is absolutely inevitable, like irrespective of its you know, systemic uh, source. But it's absolutely inevitable, so we just need to, like, mitigate it. And you can't have too much prosperity. We've got to make sure to mitigate that also. Mm-hmm. I think that is what a 3.5 uh, kind of principle true neutrality would be. We might need kings in order to keep in balance the peasants. Sure. But whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah if, uh, if it's, everybody's in the middle class, then, you know, that's too extreme. That's too close to the middle. That's sure. the extremism. <laughs> That's the no. This is this is some fraught stuff. But I I do think that three point five in that book uh, lays out the dichotomy pretty easily because you can be a neutral character, a neutral neutral character, and that is very different from a true neutral character. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But good question though. Well, but here's the here's the good question. I think, or this is the heart that we haven't really answered. What's it for? What use is it in the what? game? Even. What use is uh, other than an a re- so it's a requirement for druidic dru- druidic characters, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Mechanically, mechanically, you you got to do that. Um, I mean, we've run into some druids. So if druids are required to be true neutral, what can we divine from true true neutrality? And hey, huh? What's it good for? Um, in the world based on the druids we've seen in in Baldur's Gate. I just think every druid I've come into contact with has either been evil or has been getting owned brutally. Mm. So like the ones in Baldur's Gate 1 that we encountered who were like in that fight with the hunting party. Sure. And just losing. Mm-hmm. There's that one. There was that they evil had to do druid. that to maintain balance in the world because mm-hmm. they were they were owning before and they were like, we got to get owned a little bit. <laughs> they had to get that to go the other way with it yeah. and there was also the one in siege of dragon spear in that cave who was just like making evil plants sure yeah there, i guess there weren't enough evil plants yeah he's, he's looking around and he's like I, I see regular plant regular plant the occasional good plant like a nymph and he's like mm, this is a problem i think uh kind of ironically i think that being a true neutral druid or being true neutral might just make you a contrarian like, it, it just makes you, like, the guy who says, uh, oh, everybody else likes that? I don't like it. Well, this is the a real issue, is once you've adopted true neutrality, you don't, you don't fucking care about anything. Like, you don't have any, <laughs> yeah. like, there's not a thing that you care about anymore. Like, human life, or compassion, or even power, right? Mm-hmm. Can't like, have too much or too little. Yeah, you you are just you are just this supposedly this view from nowhere that is looking at the world and it is a set of scales and you're just doing your best to even them out, irrespective of what the scales are. It's it's hot garbage as mm-hmm. as an alignment. Mm-hmm. I like that you have uh, evoked Nietzsche's critique of the Enlightenment <laughs> as, as the critique of true neutrality. 
That's a, that's a little uh, Easter egg for all of our listeners out there. Damn. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's where we stand on true neutral. Uh, thank uh, thanks uh, to at the other white tofu or at other white tofu, not the other white tofu. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll link to his Twitter in the description. Sure, seems seems fair. Mm-hmm. Did you ever uh, did you ever have any like weird traveling within Baldur's Gate encounters? I had that uh, poison guy. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Got did him. You, did you save him? I uh, saved him, and I went and stored him on a table, because <laughs> I could not carry him around. <laughs> yep. Um, and he's there, and I even made a little, uh, like, a map marker. Just to remember him by. Just to, just to you know, give a little thought mm-hmm. to him every now and again. <laughs> but, so we went to the Umar Hills. How did you get the quest to go to the Umar Hills? Well, before I started playing... Uh, Kunzelman texted me and said make sure to go to the government district and and then I like stopped reading his text because it, it, it was just too many words and then I saw the word Valgar and I was like okay mm-hmm. and so I went to the government district and I talked to this jerk this jerk in like kind of the, the parliament building or what have you uh, and he was a member of these these wizards that kidnapped uh, Emelin right yeah, the cowled wizards. The cowled are, wizards are enemies, and what's really interesting is that every time you recruit—I know, I know you're not having this experience—but every time you recruit a party member, you say, "Would you like to join me?" And they say, "Yes," and you say, "Well, I have to tell you, I'm on a quest," and you have two options every time. Mm. You can say, "I'm on a quest to uh, find my friend, my childhood friend, Imowen." Kind of half sister, kind of thing, mm. sister. Uh, or I am uh, on my way to to fight a wizard named Irenicus. Okay, so and, you ca- you kind of have the vengeance versus uh, save the princess type mm-hmm. deal going on, and you can. Uh, but every time you're like, I'm going to, I I got to get through the cowed wizards. That's like part of the statement. And every time people are like, okay, mm. so, so everyone hates these dudes. Either they hate them or they're in such dire straits. Because the game's trying to tell us, hey, uh, by... I think the game's subtly hinting that the world believes that these cowled wizards are no up no good and, like, really uh, powerful and not to be trifled with. Because we're warning people. It's like mm-hmm. they're, they're getting into your car and you're like, look, I've got 10 pounds of cocaine in the trunk. I'm just letting you know before you, like, get involved in this situation. So it may be that they don't care or that they hate the cowled wizards and they want in on it. Or it might be that they're in such dire straits that they're like, well, you know, I really need to I really need to a draw a ride. So I mm-hmm. will I will get in this car with cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Please use this as your metaphor of explanation for everything for, else. For everything on. else. Yeah. Getting in. So just like kind of a, a fear and loathing in Las Vegas analogy hour. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Thacko is like <laughs> having nine pounds of cocaine. And you have to to hit the cocaine with a quarter from two miles away. Ooh, you you lost me on that one. Uh, well, you know what? That's the that's the joke because <laughs> Thacko is complicated. <laughs> oh, hey oh. Um, but yeah, so, so I just went there, and there was the uh, fellow from the Cald uh, Wizards, and he said, "Hey, I've got something that I need done, but I won't tell you what it is until you promise to do it." So I immediately said, "No." 
Yeah, like the seven-year-old child's version of a promise. <laughs> and no backsies. There's no backsies. There's no backsies. So, no, I did. I said no, and eventually I got him really angry, and he teleported away. Um, and then I reloaded, and I was like, well, Kunzelman told me I was supposed to get this quest. So in a very, like, this was a bit of uh, narrative dissonance on, on my part. And I just, like, went ahead and said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And then he told me about this fellow who had murdered two members of the cowled wizards, and this guy wants this fellow named Valgar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I was like, eh, I mean, I'll look into it. I think that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to the small child outside? Oh, a small child talked to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said something roughly the same, right? Yeah, well, the small child was saying, hey, there's some real problems out in the Umber Hills. Like, he mentions a witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm going old, there anyway. Old Queen Umar. Mm-hmm. Something. Sure. So we all we all uh, get together, and we go to the... What's it called? The gate? And we zip on out of there, and we're going cross-country. Mm-hmm. We're going country, as yeah. it were. And uh, so, what happened? What happened when you get there? Well, there's a there's a lovely little uh, settlement of three buildings. Yeah, it is a very robust establishment. <laughs> that kid is probably better. Oh, so we can maybe uh, backtrack for two seconds. That kid says that he made the journey from the Umar Hills, which is like ten days away. It's sure. very far away from Athkatla. And uh, the kid says, I've been here. I'm just trying to get someone to go to the Umar Hills. I'm living on the street. Someone (laughs) beat me up and stole all my money. And then I got to the Umar Hills, and I was like, maybe that kid is better off living on the street in Athkatla. Yeah. Because he could live in one of three homes. Yeah. There's there's 11 people that live in this entire town. It's true. And I just don't think that uh, Jermian is allowing this kid to hang around his little wizard workshop so it's really one of two jermian is one of the best characters in this (laughs) game but we will get there in a second so in between these three buildings there is a dude hollering up a storm with a bunch of other people this is a classic Baldur's gate bunch of people talking scene this is a classic dungeons and dragons let me introduce you to the storyline of this village scene Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so lay it out for me we walk up you have an obvious mayor-type character named Minister Lloyd trying to calm people down because people, people, are, people have these competing theories about all these folks that are dying and their bodies are going missing. Some people say that a witch is responsible. Some people are saying that they're these wild animals. Other people are blaming a band of demi-humans. They're saying these ogres. These ogres on the outskirts of the town are obviously responsible. And this poor Minister Lloyd's just trying to, to, to keep the town together. And we know from his spiel that they've already tried to hire a group of adventurers to, uh, to solve this problem. And they have obviously absconded with the, you know, with the initial payment, with the, with the upfront, and uh, disappeared. Not only that, but there is a local ranger who would normally take care of the stuff named Morella. She's gone, too. That's right. That's separate from the adventurers. That's kind of like their caretaker who normally mm-hmm. normally is looking after the three houses. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, she has her own house that's as big as any of the other ones. So. Like, probably bigger than all the other houses. Mm-hmm. Doing a pretty good job there. Yeah. And so people are, like, very unhappy about literally all of that. And uh, so so I just rolled up and talked to Minister Lloyd, and I was like, hey, you need me to help? And so then he, like, lays out all those things, right? He's like, hey, uh, you could go talk to Morella, find out what's up. You can go look for, for Mazzy. You can go talk to those demi-humans. Slay those demi-humans if you need to. Uh, just find out why all these people are dying. So this is like a very classic. You're, you were saying that like the the scene is a classic D&D kind of scene, but this is just kind of like a classic RPG setup. This is almost like the platonic ideal of like a small environment that one will explore and do lots of little quests in. Yeah, you roll into a you roll into Oakhurst Village and Sunless Citadel, and they they you know the townspeople are talking about a few different things. They're talking about oh, there's these little stick people and they're causing problems, and oh, there's there's this weird you know tradition that every year an apple uh, is brought to us and and sold to us by these goblins. Where'd they get this magical apple? And then you go into a dungeon and you figure out those things, right? Like this is this is. A, the same thing. This this stuff has been happening in Dungeons and Dragons for decades, and there's a reason why it continues to happen because it kind of works, right? It absolutely does work because I want to know why all those people are going missing. Yeah, like I, I'm up for finding that out. Mm-hmm. And so, before that, though, if everyone remembers, last episode we were in the Bridge District. We were solving the Skinner murders. People are getting killed. Someone was ripping their skin off. Mm. Unrelated, there was a skinner, a, a leather worker, <laughs> who happened to work in the bridge district. And with our wonderful deduction skills, we found out that, lo and behold, the leather worker was being a real tool and ripping people's skin off. Yeah, so I feel we, like if that quest was made today, half of it would have just been us in our mind palace, a la Sherlock, like... <laughs> In a, in like an ethereal realm, working it out. In so like you would be in a conversation, and then probably forty minutes of content happens in a cutaway in your mind palace, and then it cuts back directly where you were in the conversation, and then you just know. But anyway, we don't we don't we didn't need a mind palace. We just needed like some berries and a and a woman of the night to solve mm-hmm. the mystery. Mm-hmm. At the end of that. I read a little note that said, hey, go to the Umar Hills. There's a guy there. Here's a complex riddle for you to solve to then figure out who to talk to. Mm-hmm. you got to buy a book of the history of the Zinterim. And then that gets a guy to talk to you. And you have to say his real name. His real name is a word replacement puzzle. Like all this stuff. Whoa. He gave me this, like, he presented a bunch of options for his name. and uh, And I chose one of them. And it was wrong. And so then I figured out which one it actually was. And then he said, ah, yes, uh, you want to complete your puzzle, blah, 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 your finest masterwork, a lot of the same stuff that we heard at the end mm-hmm. of the, the Skinner Quest. And then he said, all I need is the blood of a silver dragon. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, I'm, they're good. And like, for some reason, the, the dialogue option was like very high fantasy, like, doth I not destroy the dragon? Ooh. And uh, and then he just ran away, straight up. You may you you were made at that point. I was made by by loving dragons, by loving a metallic dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the, I guess the end of the Skinner quest. Interesting. I may yeah. have to uh, I may have to keep that one around. 
you're gonna go evil on that one, huh? Yeah. Well, I I just want to have that uh, that item in my inventory. The human skin. Yeah, because it ends up being plus five, and it gives you plus twenty percent to magic resistance. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's not sets your magic resistance to twenty percent; it's plus twenty. Sometimes you gotta wear human skin. Occasionally, but we'll we'll see how that goes. It, it does require an evil alignment to wear, so you gotta go evil. Mm. But so, what else was kind of going on in uh, in Umar Hill Village? There's a little sitcom. That mm-hmm. I like to call Dar versus Dad. Dar versus Dad. Yeah, tell us about it. There's this guy outside of a house named Dar, and mm-hmm. he's like opining. He's sad. His sure. his he's not able to be with his beloved. All the things that you might think that someone would be sad about in a world with like no health care and magical <laughs> beings that like zip around the world and like a desert that's two weeks away. That uh, was caused by like a magical explosion, you know. And the death of a god. And the death of a god. Can't mm-hmm. forget that. So all of that is to say that he's, yeah, he's being real sad. So you can go inside and you can talk to a guy named... Jermaine. <laughs> is his name Jermaine or is it Jermian? It's uh, it's difficult to know. Mm-hmm. So what's he all about? Uh, So Dar is upset because Colette is his, you know, his object of desire, is his one and true love here. Mm-hmm. And Colette's dad's not letting him, you know, ask her out, basically. So you roll in, and it turns out her father, Jermian, is a is a wizard who's who's trying to build a golem to protect his Colette. He's also a cowled wizard. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can he, ask about that. He's in, like, the local 112. Yeah, but it's, it, it, is, it is totally, like, the, the local union because he obviously just has no real connection to the people back in Athkatla, right? Like, he's, he's enforcing no magic use in the Umar Hills, which, in, t- in terms of the, the Cald Wizards, this is, a, this is a luxury post. Like, in terms of not doing work... Like, it's a hardship post in terms of, oh, you have very few amenities. But in terms of actual work to do, who are you preventing from casting spells in the Umar Hills? I don't even know if he's preventing people from casting spells. <laughs> Which makes you really think about what is he doing. Damn. It's just and a when complete you say, abuse of power. Well, when you say, hey, why don't you help me, like, help you and get rid of all this, like, nightmare shit going on here with everybody dying, he says... Well, you know what? If the Celt Wizards don't tell me to do it, I ain't doing it. Damn. I got my golem to build here. So really, this is just a man with too much time on his hands. But yeah, so he's building this thing, and he says, I need mimic blood. The and most D&D-ass MacGuffin possible. Yes. <laughs> mimic blood is, of course, the blood of a creature that can appear to be a, a chest or, uh, I don't know, a bag. Some other attractive item for an adventurer in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you would, you would put your hand, you know, on the, on the mimic chest, and it would, like, spit acid in your face, <laughs> alien style, and you would die. And it would yeah, and you. then gobble you up. Like, it would unhinge the chest, and it would, like, have teeth, and be like, meh, mm-hmm. gobble you up. Yeah, so it's bad. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it, somewhere else on this map, 
in the Umar Hills. It, there it, it, yeah, the the, the uh, Germayan even says, yeah, generally you find them deep in dungeons that like adventurers go to, but I have no idea how where you would possibly find one here, around here. Not mm-hmm. really a suitable habitat, but as luck would have it. 11 paces from his front door. <laughs> There's a mimic in there, and you go in, and it's actually pretty, it's interesting. It cast hold on my entire party, and it hit, I think, four people. Mm. And it starts spitting acid immediately. So, like, if I had not been prepared, it, it could have it could have been rough. Damn. But I get the mimic blood. Give the mimic blood to Jeremian. And, you know, Colette, still sad. Colette is actually, uh, her dad is deciding her whole life she's going to have to be a sorceress. Mm. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to do that. And so I give him the blood. I say, all right, you know, this is what the quest wants. I don't know if this is a good idea. I'm going to give him blood. I give him the blood. He puts it on the golem. And lo and behold, that golem wakes up and starts just beating his ass. Mm-hmm. Just wrecking Jermian's shit up and down. Like, Jermian, in, in my game, cast, uh, what's the, like, reflect self spell? Sure. You know, he makes a bunch of mirror, Im- mirror image. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes a bunch of mirror and just stood there getting hit. Because mm-hmm. he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so I had, had to defend him. Well, I mean, props to him for creating something that can destroy him, right? Well, that's the only ethical thing that one can do yeah. in life, is to create something that could, could ultimately destroy you. Uh, but yeah, after you wreck the golem that was wrecking Jermian, Jermian, uh, and like, because the ruckus Dar rolls in, uh, because he hears this ruckus happening inside, because Dar only, Dar spends 100% of his time waiting outside of Colette's window with a, with a boombox, like in the rain. Like, that's his entire existence. It's him with a loot and a bird. <laughs> And he's just jamming on it. And the bird is squawk, squawk, squawk. It's not a songbird. And Jermian's realized, like, oh my gosh, I was wrong about building this killer golem in the middle of a tiny town being the right thing to do. If I was wrong about that, maybe I'm wrong about everything. And then gives Dar his, uh, his blessing to take Colette and I guess to go take over one of the other houses and start a household there. Yeah, you have to murder the previous owner of a home in order to take it. So Minister Lloyd is, yeah. And his racist wife, we'll talk about in a second. Oof. Mm-hmm. But, here, really quickly, think of this alternate scenario. <laughs> this is just as good for this game. Mm-hmm. If you're a listener to who is making your own RPG game, think about this scenario. You come into a town. There's one golem just running around. You got to hide from that golem. And you've got to, like, Bioshock style, go from building to building, sneaking away from the golem. This is more like Resident Evil 7, I guess. Mm. And you've got to piece together the narrative of what happened in the town. And it was this quest. (laughs) It, It was this quest. Two lovers. An angry wizard father. A man who just doesn't know his limits. It's pretty good. If you if you reverse engineer it from the tragedy. That's I think it's compelling. Actually, prob- there's probably that might be the case with like 60% of the quests in this game. Just what happens if the logical conclusion happens without the player inter- player's intervention? Like 
how interesting would that situation be, right? Everyone in the bridge district is skinned alive. Yeah, everyone in the Because what we're always faced with in this game is we're generally, the vast majority of the time, faced with order, goodness, some kind of tenuous hold that civilization has facing some dire threat, dire immediate threat. And if the, you know, I imagine if the player character did not intervene, that tenuous order or that small small point of light to use a D&D 4.0 uh, saying would be extinguished and then we would be we would be walking in this kind of horrible fantasy apocalypse. Tune in for interesting fantasy thoughts every uh, third Friday, uh, skipping every second session. Mm-hmm. So a couple other weird little things that happened here in the Umar Hills. There are some kids that you can like buy swords for. Yeah, like, like like they want you to buy booze for them, but it's swords. alcohol and no alcohol and weapons. They want both. And throughout the dialogue options, you could say, mm, "I'll give you a beer, but not weapons." Or, mm, "I don't think you're old enough for beer, but I would, uh, but I'll give you that instead of weapons." So you can give either or or both. And I was like, "No, this is a terrible. Why would anyone do this?" Well, because it'd be funny. So there's a dude with some chickens. And he's got, he's got, uh, we find out he's got like a, a, a gym and a chicken, but this has like one of the coolest lines of dialogue that is in this game, I think. I did not see this. What is it? So the guy, the, the like the micro story that we get is that there's a farmer and his wife and they're like refugees or something like that who are just now coming to, or have only recently in the past couple of years come to the Umar Hills. And their daughter was an adventurer, and then she died, and these, and she's like buried there in the Umar Hills, Mm -hmm. and her adventuring party comes later, like a few months later, and says, we think that you have something that belongs to us. And the father's like, well, you have something that belongs to me, and he like points to the grave. Whoa. Yeah, it's like I'm not exactly sure if that's the exact line, but it's really close to that. He's like, "You took something from me," Damn. and he like points at his dead daughter. Um, and then later, like the guy who's the informant who's telling you about all this says that he sees the farmer shoving something down a chicken's throat, and you can like go ask him about it, and he gives you like a weird gem, and I think the gem is like a quest item hmm. for later in the game because it says it's very valuable. Like the description says it's very valuable. Ooh, is it a rogue stone? No, it's not a rogue stone. I do have a rogue stone now, though. Okay. And based on the YouTube comment that someone left us last week, where'd you get the rogue stone? Um, from a dead uh, from a dead uh, person in just a little bit. That we'll oh, talk okay. About. Yeah, yeah. I got it in this quest though that we're about okay. to talk about. But yeah. But anyway, so that's the little thing. So I'm assuming that's coming up at some point to be important again. Hmm. Um, and then there's Madolf and the Demihumans. Yeah, just a a, a a merry band of Demihumans. Looks like kind of an ogre mage type character, an actual ogre, a knoll, kind of like uh, maybe a, or maybe a hobgoblin. Just a merry band. And orcs there, definitely. Well, and what, did you pick up on their story? Yeah, so they are all deserters. From a, merc- a demi-human mercenary band, which is like one of the few lines of work that demi-humans can, you know, can reliably get and secure. 
Um, but anyway, there. So I know that they basically decided that uh, the cause of that the mercenary band uh, was hired to fight for was unjust, was bad, wasn't doing them any good, and so they've just been on the run from from this military group. I forget what the military the group was. Like I, the country they're like in a, a country v country war, mm. and it was in like. It's not Silithus because that's from World of Warcraft, but it's something like that. It, it was it was certainly that consonant. Certainly got an S sound to it, but um, yeah, yeah, and it's like to the south somewhere. And they want to, and they've got a proposition because they are they're really tired about this village calling the knights in on them. They say that like knights have been called in on them, so I don't know if that is a reference to a character we're going to meet in a bit, or if it's like other knights that the Umar Hills can, like, call on. If the Umar Hills have a lord that is, like, you know, has authority over them and that they can call. But uh, they say, hey, we do, we don't we aren't causing these problems. We want to help, and we would gladly, like, if you guys let us trade with you occasionally, we'd gladly protect the village. And they do. Like, I went back. I don't know if you, did you, did you slay these people? Balthazar no. seems like he might slay these people. No, they they were very reasonable. Uh, yeah, so I went back to Minister Lloyd and I was like, "Hey, they just want to like trade, and they actually want to protect the village." And he's like a very nervous person. And importantly, I said a little bit about this earlier, but as soon as you, I accepted the quest from Minister Lloyd, like to to figure out what the heck is actually going on here in the Umar Hills, mm-hmm. his wife was like, "It it's the it's the demi humans. Mm. They're evil. Like there's just no question about it." Mm. And he was like, my wife thinks it's the demi-humans. And you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't. She was she just was prejudiced. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. And and weirdly enough, like, I thought that that would go somewhere in the next quest. But nope. it doesn't. Nope. It doesn't at all. Um, there's Valigar, like the guy who, who we ended up coming here for. But I think that we will save talking about Valigar for probably the next episode. Yeah, because that's kind of a quest that I thought that Valigar was going to really open up during this quest, but it seems like Umar Hills is actually not so much about Valigar. Valigar is a is a gateway to another quest that we've yet to do. So we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll hold off. And I think we'll probably do that next episode. It's, a, it, it's a fairly substantial and long quest. Yeah. And uh, I guess the last place of note here is Morella's cabin, that ranger that was kind of looking out after the town. And we we go in there, I mean, long story short, a lot of clues in there. There's a journal. Um says says a lot of scary stuff. Kind of got a canine sound to it. Um like some some wolf type stuff happening. And there's also a letter from uh the one of the people in the adventuring bands, uh, some signed by Mazzy and they basically say, hey, I'm marking where we're going, but we're we're going north, north of the Umar Hills. That's where this problem is. Um, so, yeah, so I, I hightailed it north. I think that's everything you can do in the Umar Hills zone. Only thing I'll mention is that the innkeep uh, mm-hmm. is trying to get you to invest in his uh, manuscript, which is the Umar Hills Witch Project. Really? Did you not see this? No, I did not. Yeah, so he's he says, yeah, he, he's, he's playing up the witch as being responsible for all the disappearances. Yeah, she's back, and, you know, I've got the original manuscript of, uh, of a, a band of adventurers that attempted to find her and track her down. 
and it is in addition to the title when you read it it is 100 percent like just dialogue from the Blair Witch Project. And I thought what was really funny is behind that merchant, behind the innkeep, there are many, bo- there's a room filled with boxes and every box is filled with in with numerous copies, like 20 copies of this uh, Umar Hills Witch Project. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I, it would be It would be really good if, uh, if any if Beamdog developers are listening be really great if if there is ever expansion content to Baldur's Gate for there to be collectible Umar Hill's Witch Project books <laughs> and an achievement attached to that. Just just some ideas throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I hightailed it north to the, to this temple, the Temple Ruins, Temple Ruins, which the first when you zone in, it's it's a dark old haunted type forest and shadows are attacking you. And uh, I guess when I first rolled in, uh, I found a cave. And there's just a, like a, a, I think a werewolf mean mugged me, like said something, ah, you'll never something or other, and then ran into a cave. So I ran in after. Is that what happened to you? Ooh, no. Ooh. This is where we were talking about uh, before the episode that I, I said, I think I did this wrong. And I think this is where things went wrong. Interesting. So, so I I, mm-hmm. I zoned in, and I saw a guy immediately explode. Like there mm-hmm. was a there was a man standing there, and he exploded, and the shadow attacked me. Okay, and, so I saw that too. Yeah, like an innocent. Okay. It sounds that that guy I think was an innocent bystander person. He is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. Or he's part of he's part of Mazzy Fenton's party because he yeah. drops a, a diary you can read. And he's just like, oh, she's so brave. She's so good. I'll follow her anywhere. And then he, I mean, we saw what happened to him. So uh, rip on that guy. But um, but yeah, so I saw the werewolf and I saw the werewolf disappear off screen into the fog of war. Mm. I did not know that they ran into a cave. And then I took like a big U all the way down to the bottom of the screen mm-hmm. and over to, to like where you end up going away from the screen. So I never saw where the werewolf went. Yeah, so you roll into the cave and you have a confrontation with this werewolf and you can be, oh, you're responsible for all the deaths. And the werewolf tells you, hey, I'm not responsible for these deaths. There is a shadowy shade-like being who has taken over this temple. And my pack, I'm the last member of my pack and and this being keeps killing my pack members and and raising them as as shadowy werewolves and will you help me defeat this being and so once again we've found out that it's not the baddies we thought it was a bigger baddie that was in charge or actually responsible for the evils that we initially thought the first baddie this is this is another common thread in Baldur's Gate quests. How many times has this happened so far? I don't know. We uh, it's too late to start a counter because we are in double digits easily. Right. What's the uh, genie counter at currently? We're at uh, three. Just making sure, keeping you on your toes. Yeah. So we are, and, and I basically said, "Yeah, sure, I'll help you out. I'll do that." I'll, like, help you fight the Shade Lord. And and the werewolf, she says, okay, well, meet me at the temple, but be ready for a fight when we go there. 
So So is mm-hmm. the who is this werewolf? What is their name? Um Yeah. I, I do not have the name on me. So I'm wondering if this werewolf is Morella. Hmm. No, the werewolf is not Morella. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that in a bit. So we go down. Mm-hmm. There's a Baldur's Gate, or not Baldur's Gate, but there's a Diablo-ass-looking set of stairs. Yeah. It says, go down in here. There's bad business in this destroyed temple down here. Mm-hmm. Get to it, buddy. And you go down in there. But you've got to, you've got to, like, uh, do a mirror or something before you do that. Yeah, like, there's, just like... Kinda, yeah, there's, like, a bunch of shadows, and when you hit a mirror, they they disappear or something. Yeah, so shadows are, like, made of dark energy that is hurt by light, and so you can manipulate... This is kind of a thing that happens over and over in this dungeon. Mm-hmm. You can manipulate light sources to amplify them to destroy the shadows. Or you can just straight-up fight them. Yeah. Um, yeah, the they are interesting. They will ability drain you. I don't know mm-hmm. how often they actually hit you, but uh, they ability drain my people, but I also have lesser restoration, mm. which was able to fix everybody up real easy. Hmm. So, okay, so, yeah, the, this dungeon is interesting. Let's just go through our list here. Sure. Let's Because let's, it's kind of a bog-standard dungeon. So yeah. Let's hit the high notes. I don't know how long we need to spend on, on every little piece here. So, number one, Mazzy Fenton is here. The head she, of the old adventuring party. Mm-hmm. All of her adventuring party people are dead. She wants to get some murder going on. Mm-hmm. She wants to get this evil entity the evil entity is holding her to become his consort or its consort but and she kind of interprets that as and this is where i think that the evil entity took over morella's body yeah i think so too yeah, yeah. and so i think mazzy says something along the lines of yeah i think he's just keeping me around or it's just keeping me around so that it can take over my body when it's finished with morella yeah, I think consort more means like anchor to the material plane mm-hmm. to be drained of life and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So she's there, and in a uh, radical change in this game, whoa! I remove Minsk from my party. Whoa! Put Mazzy Fenton in there. You're not. A, you don't kinda, have a can- canonical party anymore. Kind of tired of him. Mm-hmm. Kind of tired of his dialogue. I'm like, I just want to see what else is out there in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Mazzy's um, cool. She's a paladin, right? No, she is a fighter who has, like, a couple paladin abilities. Mm. In the same way that Minsk is a ranger that has, like, a berserker ability. Mm. She has a similar thing going on. Okay. Yeah. But she's, like, so, a sword and board type character? Mm, short sword and short bow. Hmm. She's already got five proficiency pips in short bow oh yeah no she's pretty pretty good with it so yeah she's just uh yeah but but theoretically just sword and board hitting things as the world goes round kind of kind of person um so got her what else is down here there's a pop quiz station what do you mean by that well there's a statue so this is this ruined temple we never addressed it but you know how that uh we met an avatar of a dead deity in the bottom of uh, of the bottom of a sewer below the temple district in Athkatla. Yeah, we we literally met the god Amenator. Yeah, this is one of his ruined temples that have just well, fallen into disrepair. Well, heck, 
Yeah. So there's a statue of Amanator, and this uh, statue of Amanator um, basically asks you a bunch of questions regarding the rites of morning, noon, and dusk, because Amanator was a deity of the sun. And you can either brute force yourself through it, or you can collect little parchment throughout the dungeon that will give you two out of the three answers that you need to, like, beat the pop quiz station. No, there's one for all of them. You can get them uh, all. No, but the the third clue on each parchment says, oh, this is illegible. Like, mm. it doesn't give you the definitive answer. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I just brute forced it, and if you get it wrong, like, a pillar of flame shoots down on your head and hurts you real bad. Mm. But I have a, enough healing in my party that I just I just went through there and clicked all the buttons till I got it right. Yeah. Um, I did a walkthrough. Like, that the cut out the middleman there. You just gave it a Google? You just gave it a Google. Dang. Um, and so you got that to get, uh, in, order to, in order to get a little uh, a shard, this, uh, like, one-third of a plate that you need to get to the next area of the dungeon. And then you've got a straight-up Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, reference because there's a big old, uh, there's a big old um, floor that looks like a Scrabble board filled with letters and you got to get across and in order to get across without getting zapped you got to do one of two things you got to walk in the letters that spell amunator ooh ooh right mm. or you could just use greater whirlwind on balthazar and be so fast that none of the trap triggers as you zip across faster than my computer can refresh the the screen well so that's two strategies i guess mm mm-hmm. mhm um yeah i patiently walked across there you have to on the other end this is just like some minutia but there's a shadow there that wants you to take him back across the trap and he says Mm -hmm. let me travel in your shadow and i said that is never going to happen yeah shadows are bad i think that was the dialogue Mm -hmm. and then so then i had to take uh i had to attack him but i got the part of the other plate and so he's in one cell there's like two cells right so this is this trap is not to keep you out this trap is to keep things in yeah which is interesting. And in the other cell, there was a bone golem. Bone golem. And I only had one person across that trap, so <laughs> they died first. <laughs> and then I had to, had to do a little reload there. And then, uh, I'm looking at the show notes here, it looks like you had something a little bit different here than I did. Yeah, I had two fights in this uh, dungeon that were the following creatures in, the, in like a very tight group. Two greater mummies. Greater mummies. They're bad. Two greater skeletons. One lich with contingency up. Contingency like stone skin. And then the lich, the first thing it does after the the stone skin triggers, which renders all my uh, weapons like useless against it, um, is to cast time stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you gotta stop time. The way you do that is you aggro, kill one skeleton, pop around the corner, um, time stop triggers. The lich then casts all of its like time stop spells, like True Vision, uh, buffs itself, etc. Run away, de-aggro, rest eight hours, come back, buff yourself. So Holy Might, Berserk, Greater Whirlwind, Quick Save pop around the corner, and then kill the Greater Lich in like three hits because its contingency has already triggered and it has not recast contingency. 
So you just had to rip roaring time with this, huh? Yeah. So that's just, uh, I mean, once you do that, it is very easy. It is just a little time consuming. There's an, there's another, I didn't have that. Of course I had a couple <laughs> greater skeletons, mm-hmm. no liches. This is, this is just, uh, the further division of our experiences based on the level difference. What level are you currently? I ended this session at 29. I think I'm level 12. Oof. So just giving you an idea of, of what that looks like. And uh, yeah, I think Tickleovar finally hit level 12. Uh, some party members are still level 9. But you've got, you got six of them. Mm-hmm. You combine all those up and they're almost level 29. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, there's, another, there's a little micro quest in here where you find some gnawed on bones mm-hmm. some some spectral wolves have been gnawing on some bones and uh they're like a little they're like a little child's bones it's sad yeah um, and you take them and give them to a ghost yeah and two ghosts and they, they these people are basically like looking they they can't rest until they find these remains because they were tasked with kind of guarding these remains mm-hmm. and you find out these are the remains of a prophetess and when you you know, take these remains back to their rightful resting place, you are a- a rewarded with the final kind of little segment of the of the symbol you need to get to the second level of this dungeon. And what's down there? Got a shadow dragon down there. Mazzy even told us about it. Mazzy was like, yeah, he, he, he wrecked our nonsense. Cleaned our clocks, this shadow dragon did. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's the that, that's the classic thing about shadow dragons: clock cleaners, clock cleaners. one and all. Mm, mm-mm. But that's why when you, uh, f- f- you know, helped out Amuana, uh, she gave you a little a token that would allow you to sneak past the shadow dragon unawares. Balthazar did not give a shit. Balthazar went berserk and killed this sad shadow dragon. Did so? W- describe that fight. I'm, I'm. We'll have footage here. I'm sure. sure, but but describe what that that's like. So it was two attempts. The first attempt, it's the, the, you start the same way. Holy can, might! Wait, can I stop you right here? Mm-hmm. Two attempts. Him attempting to hit me, <laughs> and him attempting to not hit the ground. Yeah. Hey-o. Oh. Um. But yeah, the sa- same start. Holy might, berserk, greater whirlwind, which is one of my heroic level abilities. That is like a super haste, and attack it get it down to so on the first one i got it down to like a pip and then the shadow dragon was able to cast like protection from normal weapons or something basically Mm. rendering it invincible against everything but like plus four weapons which i don't have um and eventually it wore out and i almost got it on the first attempt and like that spell wore out and i hit it a few other times but i was already like very very low at that point and then the second time i just killed it before it was finished casting protection from normal weapons Balthazar does, like, with greater whirlwind now, Balthazar does prodigious amounts of damage. I'm going to try this joke one more time. Mm-hmm. Him attempting to hit me <laughs> and then attempting to block the killing blow. Oh, yeah. There we go. We got there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it's interesting. You know, uh, episodes ago I said, oh, there might be come a time when Balthazar becomes less good. Mm-hmm. Than Chicklevar, just because of the way that D and D, especially two point five, uh, treats the difference between casting classes and melee classes. Mm-hmm. But I'm beginning to suspect that is not true. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more. It's like an additional layer of tedium that you have to deal with. But otherwise, like it, it kind of 
works out. Like as long as Berserk is really the key and all of the status, you know, the the statuses you block with that with that thing. But did you try to kill the uh, Shadow Dragon? No, not even. If not you kill it, you get Shadow Dragon scales along with like a ton of gold and a ton of experience that like leveled me up. And um, you can take those scales to the dock district and a little dwarf with those scales and 5,000 gold will give you a kick and rad set of armor. Does it work good? Does it work for you? Yeah, it's the best bed. I put it on immediately. Definitely better than uh, what I was wearing before. Hmm. Okay. So where'd you go after the mm-hmm. Shadow Dragon? Before the dwarf and after the dragon. What'd you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so after the Shadow Dragon, you roll in and the, there's the Shade Lord. Like right there, you're, you, you load into like the last area, which is the forest again, but in an area that you wouldn't be able to get to otherwise. And the Shade Lord's there and just mean mugs you. And then a fight starts. Yeah, it's literally like if if the Infinity Engine had the ability to show a twirling mustache, mm-hmm. it would have. He was like, I am very evil, mm-hmm. and I only do the murders, and so here we go, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and this is the most anticlimactic fight. Yeah, yeah, nothing doesn't even explode or anything, or like the screen doesn't even shake. Yeah, um... Yeah, yeah, so I kill the Shade Lord, and, and there's, like, a couple shadows around him, but Viconia is high enough level to where her um, her turn undead will either make them run away, which is normal turn undead, or it make will... Make them commit seppuku. No, uh, even better, it makes them become my buddies. Whoa! And attack, and t- yeah, yeah, so I, I, I get to recruit a couple of uh, shadows um, and have them fight against their master. I don't know if that actually happened in this fight, but it happened in several fights during the uh, the second level of the dungeon. Was there a gimmick to this fight, dealing with the altar? Mm, yes. Uh, it was. It's, like, alive. And because it was alive, I killed it. Sure. But I, I did that. I That's the first thing. If you, if you start a boss fight and there's a boss and an altar, you kill that altar first. Yeah. That altar had a hitbox. Mm-hmm. You kill anything with a hitbox that's not running around. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things unsolved here. Sure. Was it the Umar witch? No idea. Hard to know. Mm-hmm. Was it some sort of evil aspect of Aminator? Mm. Unclear. Probably mm-hmm. not. I saw Aminator like fly off into non-existence. Sure. So probably, probably not that. Uh, was it something from another, uh, plane of existence or the 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 astral plane or the abyss or any of that stuff that we saw shadow in the last plane. episode shadow plane plane of shadow unclear still mm. no no narrative little pieces for that and that's kind of a bummer morella was also there and she was hella dead yeah but she did have four thousand gold on her body damn that's it's <laughs> yeah the chunk of change you get from uh the Shadow Dragon and Morella is enough to just finish Chapter Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can like finish Chapter Two. I think two times right now. Yeah, and you probably have like a hundred thousand gold. Well, I have spent a ton of money on like vanity items, so I'm at forty two thousand. So, uh, so are vanity items here, such as uh, uh, an epic level mount? <laughs> no, it's it's just that uh, that flail. It's a plus two flail that gives me twenty five percent resistance to all physical damage. 
Mm, that's I guess that's good. a little bit more than vanity. That's like doing real work. Yeah, that's doing the stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sadly, Morella is dead. And we talked about last episode that um, if you completed the Five Flagons quest, then that theater becomes your uh, stronghold mm-hmm. if you are a bard. This quest, if you are a ranger, this becomes your stronghold. Yeah. You get to, like, take over Morella's spot as the protector of the Umar Hills. And I've done this one quite a bit, and it is very cool. But we will not be able to to, to do that, of course, uh, because neither of us are rangers. Well, there's only so much we can be. So I went back to Minister Lloyd, and uh, the reward that he gave me for this mm. quest... Drum roll. 100 gold. Mm. Did you ask for more gold? No, I didn't. I did. What did he give you? Well, like 2,000. Really? Yeah. Dang, should ask for more. And do you know what? I looked this up online. You get more experience when you ask for more gold. The game rewards you. Yeah, the game, re- like, objectively better. And you still get one reputation point. Dang. Well, I've learned my lesson being <laughs> being nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I think that's all that happened to me. That's a lot of content. Miles. It's a lot of stuff that happened. It is a deceptively small area, but I, I, I like all of this. I mean, short of the, the kind of anticlimactic ending to that quest, I think the whole thing is like very traditional D&D. Like this is definitely like a two or three session real life D&D campaign that mm-hmm. like if you wanted to if you wanted to take your experience with Baldur's Gate and then reconfigure it into a tabletop like campaign that you could run for your friends you could just turn the umar hills into that campaign yep it'd be very easy to do so if you've never done that before think about it that'd be fun yeah um so next episode episode 25 episode 25 we're going to be going back to athkatla mm-hmm and we're going to be doing the planar sphere. I can't wait. And probably something else too. I need I need to I need to look and see if there's like any mop up quests that we can do. But uh, the planar sphere is one of the I think the coolest quests in Baldur's Gate. I'm just gonna go out go out on a limb there. Ooh. We're gonna see a lot of stuff. There are a lot of references that happen to it. We're gonna we're gonna hopefully pull all tease all of those out for you if you're not aware of them. And uh, we're gonna have a good time. And also. Here's the cool part. Since I'm a sorcerer, since Ticklevar is a sorcerer, I uh, th- I will be able to get my stronghold now. Ooh, jelly. I'm so jelly. We'll talk about some of those stronghold quests. I know. Maybe we'll do yours right after that. Yeah, just to be fair. Just to be fair. Okay, well, th- this was episode number 24. Uh, like I said at the top of the episode, you can... Follow us on Twitter. The Both of those are in uh, in the description. I am at cconzelman. Uh, Danny is at... I don't know. Look at the... Look yeah, at the, just look, look at, the, at the link. Look at the link. Look at the thing. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. That is also in the description. You can like and subscribe to us here on YouTube. That definitely helps us out. It's real good. And if you really like the show, you should consider giving us 3 or $5 over on Patreon. I write a couple articles a month. Um, we do other video content. We do these videos. This takes me an immense amount of time to edit and put together. Uh, it takes a lot of time for us to play, so if you if you think it would be uh, worth your money to, to chip in on that project, it would be super appreciated by both of us. It's uh, it's there. You aren't spending money in a better place. Let's face it. 
It's true. You're, you're probably drinking unicorn smoothies. Oof. I know. This There's is going to date the podcast. I mean, that's okay. We're a product of our time and place and of Jill Stein's America, and yeah. we can't get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, this was episode 24. Uh, I'm Cameron. I'm Danny. And this was Mages of Murder Dads. Ciao. Goodbye. Oh,